Retro Log Encounter Date 310 As per our mission to explore some of the greatest older games in the RPG, adventure game, visual novel, and sometimes Metroidvania galaxies, we are about to dip into an adventure game that was lost to all but the most dedicated fans of the genre, or Star Trek fans. But first, let me introduce the landing party that will be accompanying me on this mission. First up is our science officer, Mr. Took. Live long and prosper. Next up is our chief medical officer, Quentin O'Connor. Hello. And finally, our security officer, fresh out of the academy on his very first mission, Ensign Solosi. Hi, great to be here. Well, before we get into the game... Captain, I'm detecting a transporter beam to this location. What? My God! Klingons! Captain, look out! Klingon, back! Dudes! He's dead, Jonah. Continuing the mission is only logical. My god, man. Could you be more cold-blooded? But mourn him later, Quint. Right now, we need to continue on the mission. <laughs> okay, that was terrible, and I loved it. We don't. I don't want another take. That's what we're going to <laughs> Yeah. I, I, yeah, I love how bad that was. I, I don't think it would be better if it was better. No, that, no, just, <laughs> we, we were going for a very specific tone, and I think we hit it on the first take. Yep. All right, so we're on to the episode now. Um, yeah, so if you haven't gathered from that, um, my I, I got I got to write a little piece of Star Trek fan fiction and got to do my own little Star Trek fan film there. So I was that was the most exciting thing about this. It's the real reason why I suggested doing this episode, actually. Yeah, so we are doing a podcast on Star Trek adventure games, and in this particular case, we're doing it on Star Trek 25th anniversary. Now, this is a, a PC adventure game that came out back in 1992 originally and it was it's a it's by Interplay and it's a it's a pretty standard point and click adventure game. Now, uh there are a lot of different kinds of media out there that try to explore uh Star Trek the original series uh I guess fourth and fifth years of the five year mission because the show got canceled after the third season. And I mean there are lots and lots of books uh, there's the animated series. Uh, there was a very recent comic book series called Star Trek Year Five, which chronicled the last year of their mission. It's really, really good. Um, this and its follow-up, uh, Star Trek Judgment Rights, are both adventure games that kind of fill in the gap of uh, the fourth and fifth years. And the thing about these games is in their CD-ROM versions, because remember, this was 1992 and CD-ROMs were still fairly new technology back then, uh, they added voice acting and more than that they got the original cast in to record all of the voices so this is kind of the most authentic piece of star trek that you can get outside of like the show itself i'm not sure it counts as canon but i mean it's they're the actors they're performing their characters uh and yeah it's uh let's just say that it's of the season three quality in terms of uh the quality of all of the episodes in the game um so yeah the the game rather than being one long long story is much like uh, an actual you know season of star trek it's divided into various episodes seven of them in fact um some of them better than others and well let me just let me just before we get talking about the specifics of the game and the various episodes why don't i ask uh quentin what do you think about uh the game did you have fun playing it did you enjoy it uh yeah i mean i'm i'm a total sucker for just about anything star trek so i think you would actively have needed to be punching me through the screen to prevent me from enjoying it on some level, even like ironically. Spoilers, but that's pretty much the very last uh, space battle in it is them just punching you, <laughs> punching you in the face through the well, screen. Well, yeah, but that's inarguable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I do want to 
give a quick shout out to the comic that you mentioned just now. Um, anyone who's out there who's like intentionally listening to this because it's a Star Trek TOS game, do check that out. It's a really good comic. Um, yes, it is. But yeah, no, I, I how do I answer this without jumping right into the meat of our conversation? I enjoyed it with asterisks, several asterisks. That's what I'm going to say for now. That's perfectly acceptable. Uh, Took, what did you uh, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, same. It definitely took me back to those days of adventure games where sometimes I was really grateful that the Internet is a thing now. Uh, where it wasn't when this game came out. Uh, if I had played it back then, I definitely would have gotten stuck in a few places and just been like, well, I guess I'm never finishing this game. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was great to see, you know, uh, you know the, the whole cast be there. Like you said, maybe not all the uh, performances are uh, at the same level, perhaps, but, you know, having seen the animated series... They didn't even bring everybody for that. So uh, at least we got everybody this time around. Yeah. And and timeline wise, it was interesting to me in terms of like actual like real world as opposed to, you know, in universe timeline. This game came out um, most of the way through the run of uh, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after the last of the movies that featured the original cast or, you know, the, the original series cast. Um, so yeah, it was just interesting to see the uh, the timing there. I also I, I was you know as I was looking around for things about the 25th anniversary game, uh, I realized that there were also Star Trek uh, 25th anniversary games on NES and Game Boy, and they're very different <laughs> than yes. uh, than this. If anyone's listening and wants to look for this game, yeah, make sure you get it off. GOG has it. Uh, Steam has it. But there are two other versions. One is a Game Boy game. I don't think you're going to mistake that for, you know, this. But the NES version is surprisingly ambitious. Uh, I played it, and it's not good, but it really does try to do... uh, It really does try to do quite a few things, like more things than you'd expect from an NES-licensed game. Um, yeah, and this game, like we were talking, you, you mentioned the voice acting and like just because the voice actors are all there doesn't necessarily mean that they are delivering exceptional performances. I, personally, I find that I am not someone who dislikes Bill Shatner's work. In fact, I am a huge fan of Bill Shatner's work. I think that Shatner is actually a great actor, um, especially when he is given material that really suits him. He's a character actor. You wouldn't cast him in just anything, but if you find the right vehicle for him, I think he can deliver touching and uh, exceptional performances. I do not think that he's a particularly good voice actor, however. In both this and in Judgment Rights, which we'll be talking about uh, next week, spoiler, uh, and in the animated series, his voice acting is, I think, some of the weakest of all of the original cast. Yeah, I think, uh, tell me if you guys feel otherwise, I feel like probably Spock is the best, Leonard Nimoy Turns in a good, I, I felt like a pretty good performance. Nimoy, also, I think it's hysterical that sometimes Nimoy's performance doesn't actually match the uh, text on the screen, which means that <laughs> yeah. he read it on the fly and was like, I'm going to be giving this a little bit of a punch up as I yeah. go to make it better. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering about that. I remember like, 
Uh, I think it's in the first mission, like blue sphere, red sphere are referenced like on the, no, no, I'm sorry. It's blue ball and red ball. And I'd like to imagine that Nimoy looked at that and like (laughs) smirked and was like, that's not going to work. (laughs) So he changes it to sphere. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to say blue ball. I'm not going to do this, no matter how much you pay me. Spark yeah, would never I, say blue ball. That would be illogical. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely think Leonard Nimoy is the standout. Um, I also agree uh, about William Shatner being a little shaky here. And I, I do enjoy him as an actor as well. I completely agree. Uh, with Nimoy, um, as soon as I started hearing him, I was like, oh, wow, this is like the precursor to why he got the gig for Civilization Four narrator. Listen to this guy. He's just in it. Yeah, he is. He's just a really great voice actor. Yeah. And I mean, bless the rest of the cast, but they didn't have much to do. Yeah. Um, the Forrest Kelly probably had the most aside from uh, Shatner and Nimoy, because, I mean, he's on every mission, which I just think is hysterically funny. Just even if he doesn't need to be there, they, he's always there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always. And and Scotty is always on like over the comms, which made yeah. me made me wonder. Like sometimes it sounded like it was coming like over the phone line, and I was like, "Hey, maybe it was because hey, he's just going to be on the comms. It's fine. He's supposed to sound like that." Yeah, <laughs> James doing literally phoning it in. Uh, and I like Sulu and Chekhov had like three lines in the entire game. Like honestly, yeah. they could have been in and out of the recording studio in about five and a half minutes. I literally like I got like a mission and a half into the game. I think it, it felt like at least the first full mission. I'm pretty sure George mm-hmm. Sakai didn't say a thing. And like I had, you know, my, my short term memory is not the best sometimes. And I'm like, OK, I saw the credits roll by at the beginning. Uh, like it's, you know, the beginning of an episode. And I could swear uh, George was listed there. But now I'm starting to wonder if he's just going to be like a little little tiny figurine on the screen. He's never going to talk. Um, and then he finally blurts out a line and I'm like, oh, you're here <laughs> on the ship. Scotty and Uhura basically have the most to say. But, you know, and the, the, everyone else does fine. They sound like their characters. Uh, no one delivers a bad performance, even even Shatner's performance, which I don't think is good, is not terrible. It it, it does the job, right? Yeah, I will say just I, this is kind of jumping ahead. I will say like one thing that uh, that stood out to me with Uhura is you know like she she didn't get a lot of chances to talk, but in I can't remember which if it was the last episode or the second to last episode, she got a little more chance to talk about stuff. And you're talking about the virus in the computer mm-hmm. and um, and uh, Kirk's like, hey, nice job figuring that out and she's like well i can't really take credit some other like random crew number who we've never heard of was the one who did it and i was like come (laughs) on writers just let her have it seriously (laughs) i i I can't remember exactly when it was either but yeah yeah it was uh i mean that's sort of the right the writing in this is okay um, but let's talk about the graphics real quick, because it, it is a very early 90s adventure game. Personally, I don't think it's up to the standard of like top level LucasArts or even no. ex- even Sierra. It's not bad. Um, in fact, I think some of the background work and the ship work is very, very good. And the animation is fine, but the the character models themselves, they always look a little bit too cartoony to me. They don't quite, I, I don't know, they, they they're a little bit rough. Yeah, and it, it definitely suffers a little bit from uh, the pixel hunt issues that that you see oh, yeah. in games with this style of graphics, in particular. Where there were there were a couple of times, you know, mentioned with puzzles that it was like, oh, I was supposed to, you know, click on like this exact rock or this exact point on this wall, 
to find this and you know unless you yeah. maybe if you had the exact right cursor up at the moment something would would sort of flash out at you but typically no yeah that was something that i i'm kind of prepping to talk about as well um i'm glad i'm not alone in that like i i feel like while some of the puzzles are just ah this is very challenging um just as frequently because of the way that the graphics are handled um i would get stumped because i'd be like i i had clicked on something in the general perimeter of something you know like 10 minutes ago and i'd be like well that didn't work and then i'll have to go back and be like what if i misclicked and i was right next to it and then i'll click and i'll be like gosh darn it that was the problem i 100 agree the pixel hunt in this game is pretty challenging at points um simply because items don't really stand out against the backgrounds in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, a lot of the items just look like the background. So, like, why would I pick that up? The the biggest defender of that, I think, definitely being the uh, uh, the old Devil Moon. <laughs> yep, I feel like the the old Devil Moon is is the biggest defender on a few uh, a, everything a few categories. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, let's talk quick about. Uh, I mean, I think my one of my favorite things about this game, I think, would be the fact that they actually did MIDI versions of all of the traditional themes from. Uh, the original series and they come in at appropriate times mm -hmm. uh like you know a mock time the ba 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 but it comes in it's it's just very it, it i really like that and i think i might sprinkle those uh into this episode in a few in a few places now that i think about it i'll say this uh in terms of how how charming uh you know and i'm sure if we had played this like right when it came out charming might not even be the first thing that we thought we'd just be like this is so cool like the midis you know nowadays it's definitely just like vintage charming to me but um the the tingy midi <laughs> that keeps playing throughout the game let me put it this way like i've been watching like rewatching an episode of uh next gen every night before bed um little tangent i watched genesis yesterday on halloween Ugh. and that was that was that was very fitting and terrible but anyway um <laughs> so yeah i've been watching next gen so i'm, I'm having the the full-blown orchestral tng era version of that that medley in my head every night and it's not sticking nearly as much as 25th anniversaries because it's just so cute i love it it's adorable also uh because this is a Star Trek episode, why not jump into some random Star Trek trivia? I think my favorite part of this episode is the fact that there is a dead ensign at Khan in on the bridge, and Data scans him, and he's like, "This has also begun on this person, but he's he um, he died before the transformation could continue." <laughs> but we never actually find out what killed him, and it kind of the only logical person who would have killed him is Riker. Yep, like there's a, this poor ensign <laughs> who's on the bridge, and you're like, "Well, who would have killed him?" I, I yeah, I mean, Star Trek has has a long storied history, um, especially in the original series, which I mean, we can get into you know as we go through this, but also like by the TNG era, it was still happening. Of you know, like ex random crew member, not necessarily, not necessarily a red shirt usually in the TNG era because you know they mm. change things around, but somebody dies, and there's like not a whole lot of tension involved. But on top of all the other issues that that episode Genesis has that are like bl blatantly apparent and all that, there's like 
an abnormally meek level of attention paid to the fact that somebody just died. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's so weird. Look at that weird thing that happened to this guy. That's so weird. Let's walk into the captain's ready room. Hi, Will. Yeah, it's it's very strange. And it's like, there's no, like, something had to kill him. Who else is on the bridge? Who cares? Oh. <laughs> And that's another thing. It's like, this is a ship full of animals right now. Presumably Worf is hungry. How many of the crew did Worf eat while he was... <laughs> anyway, um, uh, getting, yeah. back, getting back to the game and not yeah. onto one of TNG's worst episodes. Yeah. You're talking about the sound and the music and, and, and those kind of things, I will say. you know, Also, it was really nice to hear those original you know, sound effects of things like the tricorders and the bridge and everything for about 10 minutes <laughs> and then it stopped being so nice I, I like anytime we were on the bridge of the ship i was like oh i i could not work in this environment <laughs> <laughs> just constant beeps from everywhere um mm-hmm. the, it, it was a bit much um but hey they had a really nice bridge it uh, had been significantly upgraded from the uh, original series, and and that's nice for them. I'm I'm happy for them. <laughs> if they can withstand that torture, then, yeah. then good on them. Yes. Um, the game itself has okay. But before we get into the actual episodes, I'll just describe like kind of a basic gameplay loop for each one of the episodes. Which is at the beginning, you usually get a message from Starfleet informing you of your mission, which is go here, and they give you some details. You can look up some of those details in Spock's library computer. So you, if you actually want to get some, like, I don't know, a little bit of information about the the planet you're going to, the species you're going to meet, or individuals, you can type their name into the library computer, and it will actually give you information. You think this would just be occasionally like, oh, that's interesting. But in one specific case, which we'll talk be talking about later, if you don't do that, you are out of luck in terms of solving any of the puzzles in that mission. And uh, then you, you know, you consult a star map which is literally a star map uh, that comes with the that came with the game, which I assume is a their version of uh, of uh, DRM. That's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because if you go to the wrong star system, you're usually greeted by like multiple Klingons or Romulans or various other uh, aliens who want to destroy you. Uh, and you end up in a very, very tough fight. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you usually arrive in the star system. You usually get in a uh, starship battle, which is like kind of like a, a really weak sauce version of uh, Wing Commander, which is not even remotely as good as Wing Commander. Um, is often very challenging and just stops the game dead. And uh, then after you win, uh, you usually let them usually let them go because being vindictive and chasing them down and killing them is not really the Starfleet way. Although you can do it in some cases, and you will get punished for that. Uh, then you beam over to whatever the location is. So it could be another ship, it could be a planet, it could be a moon with uh, Spock, McCoy, and a red shirt. A security officer, sorry, not a red shirt, a security officer. Oh, poor Ensign Solosi. <laughs> um, anyway, you beam over and then you solve some traditional uh, point and click adventure game puzzles where you collect items and build up inventory and use them on use those items on various things. And uh, then at the very end of the mission, you transport back to the Enterprise and you get a debrief from the Admiral. And the Admiral gives you a score. And that score is based on how well you upheld Starfleet ideals uh, if you were cruel or 
if you were mean or if you let your red shirt die, uh, that will negatively affect your score. Or if you forgot to scan everything in the universe with your tricorder. Yes, you need to scan everything with your tricorder or you will not get a good score. And may I just say the score system being so just blatantly score system where she issues you commendation points it's like my favorite slash least favorite thing about this entire game just imagine like kirk is off on like a mission and an episode and and things go uncharacteristically wrong the whole way through and he just you know blunders several times and the planet blows up and then like you know her is like incoming message from starfleet and kirk's like ah oh, crap here we go and <laughs> the admiral pops up and she's just like no cookies for you you don't get any commendation points for that i am deeply deeply upset with you zero points but keep up the good work admiral out uh yeah it's it, it's trying to shoehorn something into the game that works on one level i have very i adore the level of freedom that this game actually gives you because you do have the ability in various missions to solve the mission in a number of different ways uh and in you know you can talk to people and you can be diplomatic you can be straightforward you can be a complete jerk it gives you a surprising amount of freedom uh, as far as an adventure game um, where there are a few different ways to do things. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, like, well, I'll just say real quick. I think because um, all of the dialogue choices are fully voice acted, which is just like amazing. I, I I practically spat coffee out laughing several times hearing uh hearing Bill Shatner say things that are just kind of like the the uber precursor to when Shepard will say something in Mass Effect that you would never expect your Shepard to say. But this mm -hmm. is like Kirk in general, where he's just like he just tells somebody off just <laughs> completely. And it's like it's one of those things where like if I had a TOS episode on in the background and I heard that, I would quickly look at the TV like what what just happened? What I will say like one of the guides that I looked at. Uh, because um, you know, not gonna lie, I used a guide a bunch uh, in this game. Um, mm -hmm. and the other one, um, one of the guides was like, okay, when you talk to people, you know, have, try to think of like what would Kirk really say? Be diplomatic. And I was like, that's not really the word that typically comes to mind for me when I think of Kirk. Uh, yeah. Diplomatic, but okay. I mean, I, I take your meaning. <laughs> yeah, L let's dive into some of these episodes uh, and talk about if like what if they work if they work as star trek episodes would actually be an interesting criteria for them so uh the first episode starts with demon world and it opens up with a war game battle with the uss republic and i think that right off the bat this might put a number of people off the game because they expected to be walking into this to play a uh point and click adventure game and they end up with a kind of crappy flight simulator yeah i i don't know that this would not have been an issue back when the game originally came out but i tend to game on a laptop using a touchpad and boy Same. that does not work for Same. those panels <laughs> i definitely definitely gotta bust out the mouse for this one i i mean i wasn't around so to speak you know i was very 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 young when this came out so i wasn't part of like the gaming community so i can't speak definitively but i generally assume at least that a lot of these games had higher completion rates than, you know, the kind of surprising numbers that you see get thrown around by like AAA games today, just because it was like, it was, it was an event, you know, Star Trek TOS 25th anniversary point and click adventure. I'm going to like, you know, grit and bear anything, but that's definitely one of those openings where, like you said, John, I could see people that are just like, Nope, <laughs> nope I'm done. This is no, absolutely not. So yeah, what a what a strange note to open on. It really was. Um, and then you get, like I said, it's it's kind of the 
prototypical mission where it, it's exactly what I said. You, you, you hear from Starfleet, they are going to send you to Demon World, which is a, oh yeah, that's another thing I love about this is uh, DeForest Kelly announcing the titles at the beginning of each one because people <laughs> yeah. can't read uh, apparently. And it's just really <laughs> awkward where he's like, Demon World. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I yeah. was like, wait, this didn't happen. Yeah. Demon World. Um, anyway, so yeah, this is a pretty, I think this as a almost, uh, the game doesn't really give you a tutorial in terms of the mechanics of the point and click adventure games. It kind of just assumes that you're going to be doing it. Um, so you beam down to the planet, you get an opportunity to offend someone's religious beliefs uh, <laughs> with a really out of character Kirk moment. Uh, and <laughs> on this, on this planet, they're like demons are haunting the mine and you have to go off. And when you go off to the mine, instead of seeing demons, you see Klingons uh, and they shoot you and you have to shoot them back in what you'd expect to be an action moment, but it's not, it's literally the most point and click adventure game, which is use phaser on Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> and you, uh, yeah, you phaser the Klingons and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a perfectly fine mission. I don't think it tells a particularly compelling story, but it touches on a lot of the the Star Trek ideals, which is, you know, there's superstition and then there's the, the technology and the, the ancient but highly technically, technologically advanced race behind it. And there, I think one of the, I think my favorite thing about this episode is just how easy it is to kill the red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He uh, died for me <laughs> he's he's dead i the admiral gave me like three points or whatever so he's like eh, try not to kill people next time i didn't <laughs> he definitely died on his own i swear yeah. i swear the rock that fell on him did it accidentally <laughs> oh but i did it's fun there's a there's a compilation online of like ways to kill red shirts and the other one is if you continuously make him touch the control panel in the mind eventually like the first time would be like ow Next time he'd be like, ow! And then the third time he'll just be vaporized. Beautiful. Absolutely right. ahead of its time. But all in all, I think it's a pretty standard Star Trek plot. I do think that some of the solutions to the puzzles in this are ridiculous. Yeah, it's definitely one of those cases where there were things, both there were both cases of things where it was like, I feel like I know what I need to accomplish, but I can't figure out how you want me to accomplish this. But then also, <laughs> like, what am I even trying to do right now? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's kind of like, um, and again, I, I enjoy this game overall for what it is, you know, certainly like the flavor of it. But I think that's one of the marks of a truly great adventure game that this game, uh, it doesn't really apply to, is a, a minimal number of times where you feel exactly what, you know, what you just said, which was, I know what I'm trying to do, but I have no idea how you want me to do it. That's just like the worst artificial brick wall that will just pull you out. I agree. And I think that part of the scoring system, which you mentioned drove you crazy, and I agree with you, is scan everything. And I think that's part of how you solve the puzzle in this game. You literally have to scan everything on screen. Everything. With a tricorder. And uh, annoyingly, sometimes there are two tricorders you have to scan with. Um, but that will give you clues and things like that to solve the puzzle. But at the very end of this, you make contact with a technologically advanced race and you give them 
you give him a skull, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't want to do that. I was really afraid. I thought he was going to be offended or something. Like, Kirk just busks out a skull <laughs> of, like, one of his ancestors, or, well, dis- descended, I guess. Yeah. yeah, from his bag. And, <laughs> and because you never really have Kirk, like, well, seldom does Kirk say something when you just click on something like that. I was just mm-hmm. expecting, like, you know, if I was, like, asleep like that for millions of years, and then this this primate thing just shows up and, like, shows me a skull of of one of my species i'd be like okay you need to leave because i feel very emotional right now i was not expecting the response that i got it's i think it's as an opening mission it's perfectly fine i think the writers get a better hold of like star trek plots and actually trying to tell a complete story with each episode as they go on but as far as this first one goes it's pretty it's pretty standard there's nothing really that goes on in it aside from you killing red shirts accidentally which is hysterically funny yep um so let's move on to uh hijacked which i actually really really love this mission i think it might be one of my favorite missions in the game first off when i was a kid whenever another ship would show up on screen i would be like yeah and whenever we'd actually get to go on another ship i would love it even more like if going on like whenever they would beam over to an other galaxy class vessel i was always fascinated by the idea that there were like identical ships flying around in space so you get to transport over to another Starfleet ship and it looks like the Enterprise, but it's not the Enterprise. And I, I really liked that as a kid and I, I have to, I liked it as an adult as well. Now, th- this episode is one of multiples in the, in this game with these Elasi pirates. I don't remember them from the series. Am I forgetting something? No, the Elasi pirates were a creation of this, which is, okay. it's a little weird. I mean, there's no, there's no real shortage of other species that they could have picked. They could have picked anything they, like they could have yeah. picked, I don't know uh orion pirates for example there's a mention in one of the you know computer log files that you can look up you mentioned earlier of them really bullying these andorians that moved to their planet i was like boy the andorians have always been kind of portrayed as kind of bullies and 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 such themselves Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not really buying that these guys are bullying them I, i i can't remember what's the guy's name that like uh, what's what's the guy's name in this mission? The the main Alasi captain. I, I, it's not coming to me, but like yeah. his swagger when he's seated like in that chair when he's talking like on on the view screen is like off the charts. Like I can only buy them bullying the Andorians if like they never got out of their chairs and just held that position. The guy's just like armchairing it like he's had six beers and he's ready to blow anything up that gets in its way to stop Kurt. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I bought it. it was- <laughs> this mission has uh, two of my favorite things in the game, actually. One of which being like the darkest thing ever, which is if you just try to let the crew out of, of the... you okay, In the mission, you beam over to the USS Masada and uh, it's been taken over by Elasi pirates. And if you try to let the crew out of the brig, a bomb goes off and kills the entire crew in the brig. Yep. And just the, the vaguely like, oh, reaction of all of the away team or the <laughs> landing party is hysterically funny to me. That sucks. Yeah. Oh, oh no. There are a number of ways to get them killed too like a, a number of different yeah. things that you could try thinking is this how i solve this puzzle boom bomb goes off yeah right. there are there are aspects in that mission that just feel like peak macgyver to me and the opportunity to just like what if macgyver epic failed an episode is is written in <laughs> hijacked dna i think yes 
But here is something that I, I didn't do this, but again, I was watching some clips on YouTube just to see how many ways you could screw up the mission. You can get real creative with this mission on how to, and how to solve it. You will get a zero point score, but you can apparently, you can save the crew from the bomb. Then you can transport the bomb onto the bridge, which kills all of the Alassi pirates, but unfortunately <laughs> also destroys the Masada, which crashes into a nearby planet, killing everybody but Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. That is, I, I, I hesitate to use the word beautiful, but um, creative. <laughs> like I would, if I was Starfleet, I would give Kirk some points for creativity on that. It'd be like, hell, okay. Look, Kirk. Let me level with you. Try not to do that twice. Once is legendary. I'll give you three points. Not even sure how you pulled that off. I don't know either, Admiral. <laughs> I was just clicking everything I could possibly. I mean, uh, indeed. Um, yeah. So it's. A, I think that's a pretty fun mission, personally. Um, the next mission is Love's Labor Jeopardized, which is another here's the thing about this game it misses opportunities and it does references that don't mean a thing for example uh carol marcus is in this mission who is kirk's uh ex-girlfriend and mother of his child and Mm -hmm. not only do we get like three words between them and they're very very civil with like no hints of anything going on i noticed when i scanned the there's a device behind her and if i scanned it it basically was like oh you know elbow to the ribs (laughs) that's the device from uh you know the movies remember that oh yes Uh, like this is this is the genesis device um yeah and and we're we're before that ever happened we're winking but we we lack eyes because we kind of forgot that this shouldn't play out the way it goes at all. <laughs> right. I was hoping, honestly, just now, like, I know it would never happen, but when you were saying that and you were like, if you, there's this device behind her, I was kind of hoping that, like, David was inside it or something because it, just there are so many things that are missing here. <laughs> why isn't, yeah. you know, it's like Jonah said, why isn't David, you know, why is this, that, or the other? I mean, I admire that they were trying to do a little, um, you know, precursor to Wrath of Kong, and I can see where the appeal would be to that. But yeah, it's it's not, yeah. it doesn't really add up. Yeah, but there were like you're right. Even if like David could have been among the could have been like standing beside Carol, and Kirk could have had a line where it's like, "Is that?" And Carol would be like, "If you say anything, I'll send you out of an airlock." Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like a, a thing to make it a little bit more like she honestly could have been any other scientist. It didn't have to be Carol Marcus. Would this be a weird case of? relatively early star trek small universe syndrome i've never really thought about trek having that problem in 1992 but here we are Uh, one thing that i mean like is maybe good to remember is that you know again the internet wasn't a thing back uh, back then so they probably had a lot more limited information to uh to work with in terms of when did you know all you know when's the exact timeline of all these things where for us pretty easy to look that stuff up i I gotta imagine they had access to some you know show bibles and things like that that we don't have access to but uh i don't know message boards would have been a thing in 1992 and i imagine that there would have been quite a few walkthroughs on those message boards for star trek fans and quite a few uh ascii assy like little things in the in the message board posts I, i love those things yeah yeah um, this mission I think is fine. 
it's it's again it's it drives me crazy that carol's in it and there's nothing made of it but i do like the fact that spock gets sick he gets progressively sicker as the mission goes on and it actually gives mccoy a real reason to be there <laughs> like it gives him something to do is this the one with the laughing gas yes this is the one yeah. with the romulan yeah, and, yeah. Laughing gas. and mccoy just like makes the jab about like you know why don't you huff some of this or whatever spock and i was just like yeah little moments like that uh, really pull me back into the show. <laughs> it's moments where the the three of them get to interact to get get to interact with each other and make jokes, and it, that's what really sells the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, let's move on to the next one, which is yet another cameo that I don't feel goes particularly anywhere. Which is uh, good old Harry Mud shows up. Yeah. Uh, this is another fine mess. Is the name of the episode and. Uh, Harry Mudd shows up as kind of like a smuggler slash he finds us he finds a ship full of advanced technology and he is trying to uh, figure out what to do with it and Alassie pirates show up uh, and they're trying to they're going after Harry and Kirk has to save him and then they end up on uh, the the crew ends up on this alien ship and they have to repair a few things and figure out what the mysteries are on it and I guess it doesn't really work for me because Harry Mudd, first off, it, Harry Mudd's not actually played by, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Corman. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name. I don't know. Roger Corman Corm- is the only thing coming up to me and I know that's Roger Cornell. Right. Yeah. Roger Cornell. That's it. Oh, Cornell. I thought you said Corman and I was like, Roger Corman, he's a director. <laughs> Between the two of us, we got the right name. <laughs> yeah. they. Uh, he shows up, but he's not played by him. And that's the reason why apparently Mud's face is in shadow on the view screens because they didn't have his likeness rights. Oh, wow. Uh, well, first of all, oh, yeah. First of all, I think they missed a trick right off the bat um, by by labeling this episode another fine mess because while it ends up fitting arguably a little too aptly, um, I, it was TOS and, and later on TAS tradition to throw the word mud into these episode titles. So if they had called it another fine mud, I would have been yeah. there like from the start, but they missed a trick. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really have a lot to say on this one. It, it doesn't pull me in any real direction. The timeline seemed weird on this one because he, he talks about it like, oh, hey, I like got here and I found this stuff. And, uh, and then like, like, Oh, except I've been selling this stuff to people for a while now, and well, how how much of their how much of it was there that you're back here for? Who knows the umpteenth visit to pick up more, mm-hmm. and they're just now coming at you because they figured out stuff that you didn't figure out about how this you know the things you've been selling work. I don't know. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there. It was muddy. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I, appre- I appreciate that. I I will I will allow this because that was <laughs> that was terrible. But yes, and also unfortunately we get another uh, another combat mission in this one, which is just eh. riveting. Yeah, I, I I imagine that someone on the on the production team, and you know the teams were fairly small back then. Somebody was just there, or maybe the the studio was just like we have to have action somewhere um, here. Use this <laughs> very primitive little MS DOS program simulation to make something bad like just yeah like it's supposed to inspire excitement but it's just like oh no i'm gonna die i have an odd feeling that what happened here is a classic case of bandwagon uh because wing commander came out in 1990 uh probably when this game was just under development so i feel like someone would be like we gotta get some of that wing commander action in here 
Oh yeah, you're you're right. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously it doesn't work. No. One one thing in this mission that was of interest to me was that there's sort of a, a plot thread that doesn't seem to go anywhere, but I think it's just basically it ends up being just for the points. Um and that's uh getting they have this 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 ship is from some ancient alien race that nobody knows about and mud's been there collecting you know doodads and selling them off but also as you look around you figure out that there's this super cool weapon system in the ship that's way better than the stuff you have and if you do the right things then you can basically get one of their super cool torpedoes loaded into such a position that Scotty can beam it away onto the Enterprise later on. But there's no, like, if you didn't do that, it wouldn't stop you from com- from completing your mission. It has no impact on what you're trying to accomplish. And you never use that in the game. It's not like he's beaming it over to the ship so that they can fire it at something. It's just like, oh, now I got some points for that, I guess. You know what I would love is if having done that with League, you could just skip the combat mission because the torpedo is super cool and just does the whole thing for you that would be great alas (laughs) unless i'm actually mistaken i think that's sort of the case i think i might be wrong but i think that picking up various uh some of these items and weapons and things uh in these missions will actually make uh ship ship combat easier i don't think that i like i don't think he adapts it to your like there's not a one hit kill but i think Uh that your photons are a little stronger i might be wrong about that i think you might be right because like i just remember when i was looking at guides because yeah i totally looked at guides too um Mm -hmm. somebody and i I guess they could have been mistaken but somebody uh can't remember which guide it was or i'd love to credit it uh but they said um you can like blitz through the game uh but it's not recommended because the final mission would be super difficult so i don't know like i feel bad because i I don't have a definitive answer but um i would like to think so (laughs) i would like to think so because anything to make the ship combat easier yeah well let's move on to the uh fifth mission which is the feathered serpent And to be completely honest, I think this is the best mission in the game. I think it's the most Star Trek mission of the game. I think it has, it plays with a lot of things that TOS, uh, you know, they they did very well, which is, uh, which is a higher being trying to learn humanity's worth. Uh, And then we have Klingons on top of that. And, uh, and their very sick ideas of honor in the original series. And I, I really like it. I think that it does a lot. I think it tries to actually tell a fairly complete story for this game and it's a nice change of pace because of it yeah and and quetzalcoatl is definitely an interesting uh you know an interesting choice uh not somebody that would probably get brought up a lot in these things and i really liked the fact that uh it was i don't know they tried to be sympathetic basically you know kirk is you know he he tells quetzalcoatl is the the higher being he he tells the enterprise folks oh well, i'm you know i'm um peace is like the most important thing to me i feel like if anybody gets a taste of peace they'll eventually give up war because peace is so much better and kirk's like yeah but like your followers just like <laughs> sacrifice people all the time and yeah he, and his his reaction isn't like oh yeah you're like i mean that's what i really mean uh his reaction is like oh that is oh that's not what i meant at all they oh they got that really wrong i feel super bad 
Uh, oh, whoops. it was beautiful. I love that. Yes, this is 100% my favorite metric in the game as well. And I was so going to bring up that exact exchange, but it makes me so happy that you did instead, because it means at least two of us walked <laughs> away from that moment. Like, that was better than some TOS season one and two right there. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the opening moments with that and being put through the, the various trials... Uh, <laughs> Including one of my favorite things is when you is it is this the mission this is the mission where you pick up the snake right yes yeah put it yeah. in your pocket yep, yep. Put, putting a snake in your pocket but then there's some later thing where he's like that'd be pretty dangerous like you have a poisonous snake in your pocket <laughs> <laughs> sorry there's just there's just a lot go- there's a lot going on with you saying Kirk has a poisonous snake in yeah. his pocket I, yeah <laughs> what what is this podcast rating again what am I allowed to say. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the, the, uh, and, and they just, they incorporate the Klingon so TOS, uh, like, you know, like TM in in such a TOS trademark way, um, you know, adversarial, um, you know, kind of trickster, weird, wonky honor system, like you mentioned, um, ultimately, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, we'll we'll have to set things aside, or I guess, you know, I could just die if you let me occur, you know, (laughs) it's like, yeah, I really appreciate everything about that one. I I like that there's multiple, like, solutions, too, like, you, you can, you know, depending on how you answer things, Quetzalcoatl and just, like, die, and that's it. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the mission. Yeah, there are three endings to this, which is the first one uh, being you complete the killing on challenge and you return to the courtroom, but it's still a show trial. So and this particular Klingon has no honor. So, you know, they'll uh, he's going to kill Quetzalcoatl to hide his own uh, crime, which was he uh, Quetzalcoatl. OK, for those who are listening, Quetzalcoatl uh, kind of brought his message of peace to a Klingon world and it worked. And then this admiral came along, found out this mission, this this message of peace was on the planet, and killed everyone on it. So he committed genocide, and then he blamed Quetzalcoatl. So he's trying to escape his own culpability, um, which is why the Klingons want him. So yeah, if you complete the Klingon challenge, it doesn't matter because the admiral will still, you know, kill Quetzalcoatl. Or you can again find another highly advanced race un- who lived on this planet. And uh, they will take care of the problem for you. Uh, and you can, he'll, they'll take the admiral and they'll say, okay, we're sentencing you to death for genocide against your own people. And then if you agree with it, and then you go back to the enterprise and you you be a jerk to the Klingons who are asking what happened to their commander, you'll end up in a battle between <laughs> the enterprise and the Klingons. And Spock will get really angry at you. <laughs> And Spock will be like, why did you initiate that battle? There was no need for it. Yeah, when the when the higher life forms are basically like, well, you know, you, sir, Klingon, are going to die. Um, you know, I, I had Kirk kind of bail him out. Um, but I, I looked it up afterward because I was like, I wonder what kind of point reduction you would get if um, if he dies. And um, apparently, like, his death in particular, like, you electing to let him die, that singular event like within its own context and nothing afterward doesn't affect the score which is which is really interesting to me so if you just kind of feel a little bloodthirsty that specific decision won't affect anything which which to me means that the admiral might be racist but i'm Mm. not gonna get into that (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean starfleet was pretty racist against the klingons even kirk's racist against the klingons klingon bastard 
Yeah, isn't isn't one of the lines like during the show trial, like um there's nothing uglier than a gloating clown or something like that. <laughs> like if, yeah. if Chang had taken that line, uh I'm probably butchering a little bit, but if Chang had taken that line from the game somehow in a movie, <laughs> you know, undiscovered country, um, I, I I feel like Kirk would just feel like, oh, you got me. Uh, is there anything else you, uh, either of you, would like to say about this mission? I will just ask, uh, I guess, so at, at the end, when you're dealing with this higher life form, there's this puzzle with gems, and if you put the right ones down, then a good thing happens, and if you put the wrong ones down, then a bad thing happens. Was there anything that I missed that suggested why, like, what the right answer was? Because I didn't see anything. I just ended up, like, trying a few different things and reloading until yeah. I guessed right. I did the same thing. It's one of those missions. It's one of those uh, missions in this game where it's like, <sighs> the puzzles, I guess they make a sort of sense, but not really. And you have to be, yeah. I mean... To be completely frank, the final mission, the final puzzle in this mission is cake compared to the next one, mm -hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> well, let's let's move on to that one then, which sets the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that old devil moon, that old devil moon. Yeah, so a uh, fairly standard Star Trek plot for this particular episode. Uh, there is a there are unusual signals coming from a moon called Scythe, and uh, this moon is orbiting a planet that used to be a very highly uh, industrial planet, but there was a massive war uh, and it since then has become technologically backwards. However, you visit this moon and you discover that it houses a missile base. And in fact, they, because of uh, various, um, the, the computers aren't really working that well, there's a good chance that it's going to start launching missiles again back onto the planet, to the civilization that have, has rebuilt itself. So you have to disarm this missile base. And to do that, you need to get into the missile base. And therein lies the challenge of this stupid mission, which is <laughs> the race that built this missile base, their mathematics is based on, help me out here, guys. What is it? Base, it's base three? Yeah, they use, yeah, they use base three, and the other race involved uses base four, which as mm -hmm. far as yes. I can tell, never matters, but they do make a big deal about it in the computer logs. Yes, exactly. So in order to figure out the various passwords to get into these places, you need to not only realize, oh, okay, here's a number that is significant to this race, you also then need to convert it into base three. If you don't really have a solid understanding of what base three is, don't worry, the game will tell you and it will not help at all. <laughs> Yep. I really, really wanted Spock to give me some more help with this mission, and he didn't at all either. He just kind of was like letting Kirk figure it out for himself, I guess. Captain, no Starfleet officer worth their salt would not know base three off the top of their head. Exactly. So yeah, this entire mission has no like character interactions or really anything. It's just you you have to get into this base. And to do so, you need to do some, you know under have have a rudimentary understanding of some fairly complex mathematics yeah my um one of my sort of like personal bars for determining my my you know subjective opinion on the quality of of whatever in like uh, a sci-fi show or you know in this case game show ish thing is um if i walk away from a particular plot thinking this trope would have been done way better on x 
show instead where it was just, you know, like, so basically where I'm going with this is with the old devil moon, this setup intrigues me. And I, I think, you know, a, a much better integrated story here would, would offer some really nice little philosophical moments and that sort of thing. But the way that it ends up going where it's just, these just, you know, incredibly difficult obtuse puzzles. And like you said, no real character interactions or something. I think I would take like an old school Stargate SG one episode version of this instead, where like, you know, the, the team in that show is always going to these different planets and all that. Just have Richard Dean Anderson's Jack O'Neill, like berate the people for having blown themselves up, you know, turning into some action fights, have the people all be like, ah, we shouldn't have done that. Huh? Have the requisite like evil, you know, go old at the end that they have to kill. And that be that because there's nothing, there's nothing philosophical here going on anyway, and these puzzles are killing me. So just don't do this. Well, and in, in that case, you would have had Daniel Jackson figuring out the whole base three thing, and then true, but what, he can do that, else, right? Well, no, I he mean, like can that, do that, not me. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Is you would have had yeah. like somebody who, yeah, know, like that logically would have made sense for him to do that to figure that out in the show. Exactly. And yeah, I, and I think and, the, the the real issue with this is that you don't have a way to find out any of that information once you're in a position to need it mm-hmm. where like you had to use the ship's computer and look up the right things before you went down to the planet or else you just you you can't find that out it's so true like yeah. i think if this were like a real thing that was happening you know I, i'm basically saying if if star trek tos 25th anniversary you know cd rom game was real but you know what i mean like it, mm-hmm. in the moment if I was going to go down on that planet, sure, I would be like, okay, I'm really living this situation. Lives are on the line. I will, like, memorize what I'm listening to. But, like, as a as a, a player, I think it's reasonable to kind of want a game, um, even of this, you know, era, because there were some great, like, you know, said, like, LucasArts games and that sort of thing, to give you track of that somehow. Because, again, like, if this was really happening, Kirk would be like, let me access the computer right now again. Let me just remember mm-hmm. this but that's just not an option because it's not an option. And, yeah. and and they, well, they have, this is, I think this is the one where they have that whole virus thing, but they, they talk to, they use the communicators and talk up to the ship all the time in this mission. So that's also, you know, a thing like you would think they would say, Hey, you know, Kirk to enterprise. Yeah. Can you tell me more about these people and numbers that might have been significant to them or whatever else? Mm-hmm. It's like with hijacked, you know, I would, you know, if, if Kirk was over there and, you know, um, you know, with like the prefix code, that sort of thing, um, yeah. when you get in, like, that's one of those things where like, you don't really end up needing to do it, but it would be one of those things like, Hey, enterprise, uh, remind me of those digits again, like in, in the old devil moon, there's like 10 instances where, that should have happened (laughs) that should have been an option yep and even if you do complete the puzzles and you do figure out the base three puzzles then you have to pick up the rocks to make the key card to get into the final uh room yeah and to do that you need to realize that you just need to click on the background of the screen there's no item it's literally like what looks to be the planet yeah it's just a it's just a really poorly designed uh mission and frankly speaking, I think they could have, it could be taken out of the game and I would not, not only would I have not missed it, I think it would have improved the game measurably. It's such a letdown from uh, the Feathered Serpent. It's like, oh. Yes. Well, let's move on to the final uh, mission of the game. And 
there it, here, there's a little bit of this. There is a lot going on in this mission. First off, the original version of it was in the non-voiced version, the non-CD-ROM version, which doesn't have any voice acting, which it's really short. It's you you show up with the Republic, you beam over, you find the the, the classmate at Kirk who tells you what happened. Then you just go to uh, you just go to the planet and uh, you go to a planet. You're you're confronted by an exact duplicate of the USS Enterprise. Uh, you end up in a battle with it, and uh, yeah, you beat it, and that's the end of the mission. So that was the original version, and for the CD-ROM version, they decided to extend it and, and make it bigger. And so the whole point of this is you find out the USS Republic has been attacked and has been severely, severely damaged, and that almost everyone on board is uh, dead. So you go over and uh, you take a look around and you find a former uh, Academy classmate of Kirk who is barely alive, but still alive. And she accuses Kirk of killing her and her crew. And you eventually investigate and you find out that it seems that the Republic was attacked by an exact duplicate of the Enterprise. Uh, at that point, the Alassi pirates show up, and uh, thankfully, at that point, you're able to get the main computer of the Republic back up again. Uh, the Enterprise has been called off due to a what, what was the what was, what was the reason again? There was some trade ship somewhere else that you know sent out an, a distress beacon. And- it was a distress call, yeah. So yeah, they, uh, they the Enterprise isn't there, so you have to make use with this like broken down ship, and you manage to raise the shields, and then you need to uh, the the Alassi uh, captain is making demands. He wants information from your computer banks, which are pretty much completely destroyed. So you have to buy some time to get to the Republic's torpedo bays, which have been damaged, and bypass the hull breaches and fire a photon torpedo at the Alassi ship and cripple it. And then the Enterprise will show up. And then the mission continues, as I said before, where they go to the, they go to this other location and then they have to fight the exact duplicate of the Enterprise. One problem being that it's a really, really poorly coded mission and insanely buggy to the point where if you do not do things in the exact right order, it will create a fail state. You cannot, you can lock yourself out of the solution for no reason whatsoever. And, and really like doing the thing that causes the fail state is the 100% logical thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I appreciate, because um, I read up on, like, how the uh, original, very short version of this plays out. Um, I definitely appreciate the broader scope. I think um, bugs notwithstanding, and uh, <laughs> we'll get into this in a moment, but ah, that, that final space battle notwithstanding. I think yes. there's, some, there's some pretty good content here, but they must have, I don't know, like, they must have had to rush you know, with with expanding it, because, yeah, I at one point I remember Spock. I, I can't remember specifically what it was, but like Spock should have known something that like the flag didn't trigger or something. And he had like mm-hmm. no solution. It involved like transporters or something. And yep, that's it. Yeah. Oh, OK. I guess I stepped right into it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I experienced it firsthand then. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, too. If you raise the shields to the ship. And then the Alassi show up. Spock will not let you put power to the transporter to that you need to transport uh, your uh, your security officer to the torpedo bay to fix the torpedo. That's right. So it it will lock you out. And I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't beat the game because there is a very basic feature that this game should have that isn't there, which is restart mission. If you lock yourself out in the very last mission of the game and you've saved 
because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, then you're locked. There's no possible way to beat the game. You can't do it. And that's what happened to me. And I was like, I'm not going to beat the, I'm not going to play through the entire game again to get to the ending when I know yeah. exactly what I need to do. I didn't even get a chance to uh, fight the uh, Enterprise. Now it's funny because the first time I played this game, I somehow, I must've just missed the bug because I, I did fight the Enterprise too. And it's a nightmare of a fight. Yeah, like- Whatever uh, steroids this fake Enterprise is on, I, I feel like our Enterprise would have just randomly survived self-destruct in a search for Spock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would yeah. not have come flying down at Genesis. It just would have remained, and and Kirk would be like, oh, that's weird. Because yeah. <laughs> the Enterprise 2 is just a menace. It's a beast. And it has backup. Yeah, yeah, it does. The Alassi uh, Pirates, right? Yeah, two or three yeah. of them. Yeah, it's a... It, if you don't like the space combat in this game the last bit of space combat is the worst of it so if the very if the first mission put you off of the game with its space combat then the last mission will definitely put you off the game with it and it's such a shame because i feel like without the space combat the game still works perfectly well if they if they took a different tact if they did a slightly different version of the space combat I, I like m- much more in line with the point and click adventure games where they were puzzles to solve rather than knock off wing commander references. Yeah. Like I think it would have been better, but they didn't. Oh, we'll definitely talk about that some more in next week's game. Yes, yes we will. We will. I, I do. I want to add real quick. Um, if you do enjoy the space combat in 25th anniversary, let us know. I, oh, I want, I want to know that someone out there does because I've never met you. I've never met you ever. And I, what if we're wrong and, and everybody loves it and we're just like wrong? <laughs> like, I want to meet yeah. you. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it. <laughs> Another thing that drives me crazy about this last mission is uh, the Dr. Uh, Burdell. Yes. Yeah. Um, he is the he is the commander of the Enterprise 2 and uh, he is a member of the Vardane species. And apparently Kirk has had many has had encounters with this guy. Uh, went back when he was uh, was a cadet, a lieutenant. But like, this is not canon. We've never met this man before. This is not established canon in any episode of Star Trek, and it's not established in any prior uh, missions in this game. So it's just like, we don't actually get to see the reason why they have this animosity between them. And that's such a shame, because it would have been interesting if there was like a flashback mission. To mm-hmm. like his time on the Farragut, where he, where Kirk met this guy, and they could have done it. That's what we get uh, for those who didn't play. That that's what we get is like a you know, two line interaction between the two of them, uh, where the guy's like, "Hey, I bet you didn't expect to see me again," and Kirk's <laughs> like, "No." <laughs> Let me yeah. give some exposition of that one time that we met before. Yeah, it's like when I think about um, how most television uh, nowadays is far more serialized, and and the episodic fare is. You know, outside of like procedurals and that sort of thing has has gone by the wayside. Sometimes I miss it. You know, I think I think as mm-hmm. Star Trek fans, it's it's only natural, you know. Um, and and then sometimes I remember some of the tropes involved with with shows that were mostly episodic that like always kind of graded against me, especially if they're done poorly. And this is one of them. I think the two that always I'm always like Ugh, on if I'm rewatching like an episodic sci-fi show is the first one is this, which is where, you know, it's like, ah, yes, nefarious person from my past 
yeah, yes, nefarious hero from my past, you know, and you never got that build up. And, 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 you know, I respect the 25th anniversary is trying to be episodic, but like, you know, like you two said, I think make a little exception here. Um, and then the other one is just like, you know, so-and-so character runs into an old flame, which is usually really boring, <laughs> but, um, I guess that happens with Carol Marcus here, but you wouldn't yes, it know does. it. <laughs> yep. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> um yeah i i agree like that could have used some build up um which again i guess we'll get into with judgment rights we next sure will week, doing that a little bit better <laughs> yeah i think that star trek judgment rights we'll be getting into it next week but it uses the same engine so it doesn't look that much better it still looks a little bit better but not like that much better uh all the voice acting is still there if it's um some i think kirk gets a little bit better in it and the supporting cast has a bit more to do uh, than in this game. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest improvement for me between Star Trek 25th anniversary and Star Trek judgment rights is the quality of the writing. Yes. I think the writing in judgment rights is way better. Yeah. If 25th anniversary is like one non-canon universe depiction of season four, so to speak, then I would say if judgment rights is season five, everyone would agree that the show went out on a bang. <laughs> like it definitely picked back up again yeah <laughs> and and speaking of the years like that is kind of it, if you do and i am watching this on youtube but if you do make it through that last fight uh we talked about being so nasty like basically that's that's the end that's like there's it's the end of an episode and it's the end of a of a year yeah. uh the the admiral says oh here's your commendation points for this last mission and uh hey this year you did however you did be that great or <laughs> lousy or whatever and everybody's like time for some shore leave uh, yeah. because that's the obsession <laughs> that the enterprise crew is just we want shore leave because that always goes well for the that enterprise works out crew. just great yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. like super it's restful like the, it's the tnj arrow with risa it's just like ooh, and, and enterprise too i think did you know don't you want to go to risa no <laughs> i know what happens there <laughs> nothing good happens there for long <laughs> and when it is good then like your your you know one off lover is evil or something. I'm not going there. It's surely for the USS Enterprise is we're just going to go to a planet full of robots that are possessed by the spirit of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So uh, that is Star Trek 25th anniversary, and I. What what are your takeaways? Do you think that Star Trek fans should play this? Non Star Trek fans should play this. What do you think? I, I guess I would say if you're not a Star Trek fan. You know, unless you just like really want to play every adventure game ever, I would skip this one. If you are a Star Trek fan, it's a little tougher to say. If you're like a just like a really rabid fan and, and again, you want to consume every piece of Star Trek thing, then sure. Uh, if you're not, if you just enjoy it, I would personally say feel free to skip this one and just jump straight to Judgment Rights. But mm. that's me. Yeah, I would. I, I think I would put it this way, and it's it's more or less what you just said. If I meet someone who's like a burgeoning Star Trek fan or something like that, and they're like, you know, I want to consume all this supplementary supplementary material, but oh, it's so vast, I have no idea where to start. Okay, well, let's say I've met this, you know, hypothetical person, which I, I guess I have in the past, and let's say they enjoy video games and adventure games and that sort of thing. There are kind of three tiers of answers I would give. If they want to experience just the best of the best, like the best books, the best comics, the best games, this would not be on there. Mm. In the middle there, there's like this huge swath of stuff that's like okay to decent. 
and this would be there. Um, and then the last category is just like, if you want to enjoy like the absolute trash too, like I wouldn't go that far with this. <laughs> like that would, that no. would be the worst books, the worst comics, the worst games. And this is like firmly in the middle. Well, either way, they can't borrow my copy of Star Trek Next Generation meets the X-Men or my copy <laughs> of Star Trek meets Transformers. I'm, I'm hanging out of those ones. Are they bad? It's a lot of yeah. It's a lot of fun. What? Really? Uh, it's the original series crew meets Transformers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, transforming Enterprise and everything. Next Generation uh, meets X Men. I don't know. It's not the worst thing I've ever read, but it's got a lot of issues. It does give you a give them a chance to make a joke about Captain Picard and and Professor Xavier. I would need that. Yeah, that would that'd be a start. I am if I have to say this, the the company that's doing Star Trek comics right now, uh IDW Publishing, they have done some actually amazing Star Trek comics over the last little while. And some of the things they have done are so batshit insane crazy mm-hmm. that I can't believe that they got published. Like and they're actually good in places like mm-hmm. the Star Trek Doctor Who crossover comics are actually good. Yeah, they are. I need to, I need to get those. They're really good. The uh, year five comics are really, really good. The most insane comic ever, which is the like the Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover. It's great. I haven't read that one, but I believe it. The Star Trek Green Lantern Spectrum War, which yeah. combines the <laughs> rebooted universe with the War of Lights from Green Lantern. It's great. I think they did two series of that, and uh, I enjoyed them both. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep, and they're uh, and uh, Star Trek, um, Star Trek: The Next Generation, Mirror Broken finally gives us a Mirror Universe USS Enterprise D, and it's yeah. really, really good. It's very, it's very oh, captivating. Man. Like if you're into the Mirror Universe hijinks at all, this is good stuff. I eat up anything Mirror Universe. I gotta, I gotta find that one because I haven't yet. It's like IEW is living in another era, and nobody's like bothered to tell them that the No yep. Man's Land everything goes of the 1990s is like 20 plus years ago, and nobody cares. They just keep letting them do whatever. <laughs> the thing I love about the thing you actually might really like about uh mirror broken uh took is that they actually put it in continuity it's not a different mirror universe it's the mirror universe and it they come nice. up with the most ingenious possible way to get around the whole uh ds9 uh you know the terran empire is no more yep. which uh-huh. is that they're just the terran empire has been decimated to the point where they really only are a deal in their own star system yep. and they're just like the terran empire are now pirates nice and it works really really well anyway yeah, so uh, if we're talking about Star Trek comics, I guess this is about time to uh, this episode to come to an end. So <laughs> I guess I did steal a little thing from uh, Solosi there. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's do a little bit of housekeeping. So next week, we're going to be playing Star Trek Judgment Rights, which is the direct sequel to this game. And I might mention a few things about some other Star Trek adventure games and what I think is one of the biggest lost opportunities in Star Trek history, video game history, which is uh, Secret of Vulcan Fury. Um, if anyone has heard about that, I'll be talking more about that next week. Uh, we have lots of episodes coming out, uh, for retro encounter, uh, in December, uh, we're going to be taking a look at final fantasy five. Uh, I'm hosting that episode. I'm super excited because final fantasy five is an amazing game. And we have some really, really great people who are going to be on the podcast with us to talk about it. And we'll do a, we'll do a good old fashioned retro style breakdown. Um, do not worry though, despite, uh, Despite the apparent death of one Mr. Solosi early in this episode, uh, Solosi will be back. He is not going anywhere. 
yeah and uh if you if you enjoyed this podcast if you enjoy podcasts about uh various rpgs we have some other podcasts for rpg fan we have random encounter which i host and that is uh bi-weekly on mondays and that's where we just talk about whatever's random whatever's going on uh talking about reviews and features on the site that kind of thing we have rpg fans music podcast rhythm encounter where we dig deep into the music of games and talk about uh, what they do, why they work. Uh, the last episode was uh, all about the music, title music of games, and uh, it was hosted by Alana, and she just knocked it out of the park. She did such an amazing job. And we have Phoenix Edge, which is with Hat and Eric, and that is on YouTube, and it really delves into like RPG news. I think they've been off a little while, but I think they're coming back, so stay tuned for that. For this podcast, if you have anything you'd like to tell us, if you want to... Uh, comment on this episode or have ideas for future episodes or just have questions that you'd like answered uh, you can fire off an email to retro at rpgfan.com you can also comment on the boards you can visit our facebook page we have instagram twitter discord rpg fan has twitch streaming every single day so be sure to do that uh review us on itunes google play uh, whatever you listen to your podcasts on uh personally i use overcast love it but i do not judge uh, we love feedback, so if you'd like to do that, and also if you if you think that somebody else would enjoy this podcast, if you have a friend who really likes RPGs or adventure games, or they're a Star Trek fan, please send this episode their way and let them uh, give it a listen. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with me, John o. Logan, you can find me at John o underscore Logan on Twitter, or you can fire me off an email at jlogan at rpgfan.com, or if you have something for a random encounter, you can fire off an email to podcast at rpgfan.com. And uh, let's talk to our uh, surviving cast member, our surviving members of the landing party here. Uh, Took, where can we find you? I, think I, I try to stay uh, pretty off the radar on uh, social media. So emailing me at uh, John T at RPGfan.com is pretty much your way. Cool. And Quentin, where can we find you? Well, first of all, we're never actually going to mourn Solosi, are we? We've just never, I don't see it happening. Um, I would love to give out his, his contact. Well, info, later, but, Quint. but he's, <laughs> but he's dead. So I won't. True to um, the show. You can, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Quentin writes. That's Q U I N T O N W R I T E S. Or you can email me, email me at uh, QuintonC at RPGfan.com. And you want to know what? You are absolutely right. If you want to get a hold of Solosi or you want to see him, uh, you can find him at The Real Monsoon on Twitter. And yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back in one week with Star Trek Judgment Rights. Uh, and until then, may the great bird of the galaxy roost on your planet. <laughs>